I want to talk to you about a simple thing today. Um, and so I want to talk to you about God interventions. God interventions. Because God interventions are, are coming your way. They're coming my way. They're coming your way. They're going to happen in our life. And, and how we respond to God's interventions in our life um, actually become defining for our life. When I think about the course of my life, um, Andy, Andy's, um, are we allowed to say that he turned 40 today? I asked that question as I gave the information. I apologise, that was not deliberate. That was just, that was literally poor communication. That's all it was. And um, I said to Andy on the way in, I said, I remember when I turned 40, I was in a state of depression over it. And uh, someone said to me, and some of you are going to be upset now, but remember, I'm north of 50. So said, um, 40s, your 40s are the end of being young and your 50s are the beginning of being old. So enjoy your 40s. And... Um, <laughs> And it's probably true, I'm 52, and yeah, so, but ha happy birthday. I don't even remember why I was telling you that now. There was a story to, oh, across those 52 years, when I look at my life, there's been, I, I, can, I can pretty well pinpoint the, the God intervention moments, and, and they've become defining in my life. And, and we know that that's true for so many people. If you've lived through one or a few or many, you know that, the God interventions have been defining in your life. I was thinking about Kerry and Andy, actually, and, and how here's Kerry leading the church, but there was a time when they had to think about where's our God-appointed future, and ultimately they are here, and, and she's led wonderfully in response to a God intervention about where they should be placed. And so your life and mine have these God interventions that come our way, and I think that's a great thing. What a wonderful thought that the God of all creation chooses to intervene and interrupt your life and mine on such a personal level. And they disrupt us. They, they come to bring change. They come to bring shift. They come to bring correction uh, on occasions. They come to bring destiny. They come to bring all that God has in mind. And, and God's always interrupted people's lives with his interventions. And one of my favorite stories is of a British missionary um, who went to Africa uh, in the 1800s. And, you know, as, as, as it is for missionaries, they usually have a bunch of sponsoring churches that they return to in their homeland periodically, raise more money and then go back to the mission field. And that's what was going on. And so this missionary had been out on the mission field. He was coming home. He was going to the church that um, essentially underwrote his missionary endeavours. And the message he was taking around the churches was, will you go to the mission field? Will you be next to go to the mission field in Africa? And he's going around the churches. He's bringing this message. He comes to his home church that sponsors him. And in that church are 10 elderly people. And he's thinking, well, what is the point? Like, no offence, they're elderly. What opportunity or what chance is there that they're going to go to the mission field? That said, a lady from uh, the Tamworth Church is 70 years old and just left for the mission field, so I wouldn't discount yourself too early if it's stirring in your heart. But anyway, that said, that's what he came home to. And he thought, well, I've got this message, I'm going to preach it anyway. He preaches his message to these 10 elderly people about who will respond and go to the mission field. And of course, there was no response there. But on the piano that day was a woman, and next to the piano, hidden from his sight, was a young 10-year-old boy. And the 10-year-old boy piped, uh, stood out from behind the piano when he gave the call to go to the mission field in Africa, and he said, I will go. That 10-year-old boy, his name is Dr. Livingston. And Dr. Livingston really was one of the pioneer missionaries who transformed the gospel 
in Africa. And, you know, they put him through seminary, that little congregation, and they just stayed with him until he got to the mission field. You just never know what God is up to. He's bringing his interventions, his interruptions into your life and mine. I'm sure they looked on that day, on first, you know, first look, and went, 10-year-old boy. Really? Really? God, is that really the best you've got right now, a 10-year-old boy, to go to the mission field for, of the vast millions of Africa with your gospel? Is that really your best plan? To which God responds, yes, it is. And you and I have these interruptions and these interventions that come our way. And what I want to ensure today is that if they've come your way or they're coming your way because they will, that you and I would be the kind of people whose instant response is yes. The hardest, one of the hard, it doesn't seem hard now, but I've had a bunch of them across my life. But the first one I can really remember other than surrendering my life to Jesus, and I might have shared it here, was I was 22 years old, I was working away, and I had this thought pop into my head. And it was this old man, and um, this old man says to me, Darren, you can, I was young, I was single, and I was Christian. And, uh, and so uh, this old man says to me, Darren, you can marry my daughter if you just give football away. And I could play, and I was paid to play. And I went, yes, like, like, like that. I went, yeah, of course, in my head. And then before I could like blink, this thought came to my head, Darren, do it for me. And I realised in a moment, knowing very little about God at that stage, that this was my first encounter with God's Holy Spirit in terms of me recognising the voice of God. No one had trained me. I didn't know anything. I just knew that that was God. And I remember my instant reaction was, and I would have done this out loud because of the way I am, I would have gone, no, anything but that. Anything but that. Became one of the most important decisions I've ever made. I could not possibly have known at the time that that would become just a platform for every yes that's followed when God has interrupted me with something he wanted to do. And so many of those yeses have been good. So many. Actually, if you remember to pray, I don't want to make this about me. If you remember to pray, I really appreciate your prayers this week. On Tuesday, I've got one of the most important meetings I've ever had. And uh, I feel like, it, 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 but it's one of those things. It's one of those interrupted, God intervened a couple of weeks ago with this moment. I went, oh, imagine that actually happened. That would change everything. And so then I get a call for a meeting next Tuesday. So I'd appreciate your prayers. So they're not all difficult. They're all, and they're always good. They're always God-worthy, they're always from a pure motive, they're always about you know, God's cause and your life and all of those things, they're always good. No matter what it is, when it comes from God, the interruption's good. And so the Bible's full of them. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verses 4 to 8, it says, The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Think about that. Before you were born, before I was born, I was an accident. I was an unwed child of my mother in 1971. I think it was still a bit of a deal at that point, though it was changing. But I was not an accident to God. I was formed by the knowledge of God, his knowing in my mother's womb. And before I'd breathed a breath or lived a day or anything else, he had a plan in mind and he's saying true for you. And he's trying to bring that plan to pass and he's just looking for you and I to cooperate with it so he can bring it to pass and do what he will in the earth. And so he's here with Jeremiah and he says, before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And Jeremiah says, oh, you know, sovereign God, I don't know how to speak. I'm too young. 
Um, age isn't a determinant, maturity is though. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go everywhere I send you and say whatever I command you. Don't be afraid of them. I'm with you. I'll rescue you, declares the Lord. And, and God brings about an intervention that changes the course of history through the man Jeremiah who says yes to God. And the Bible's full of them. It's full of big, big moments like Paul on the road to Damascus in Acts 10. This God encounter that's dramatic and large and changes the course of his life and ultimately the course of human history. And then there's, there's smaller moments like, you know, Peter's just unexpected moments really. Like Peter's on a rooftop praying at lunchtime. Not because he felt some stirring to pray, just because it was what he did every day. And in the middle of his everyday prayer time, at lunchtime, on a rooftop, in a little-known place, and in a, not a big moment, you know, the, he, he gets this vision from God that changes the course of the church. And then in Acts 13, maybe my favourite, it's, it's this God encounter moment where some, some prophets and some teachers and whoever else, just a small group prayer meeting, you know, they might have been a bit like, boy, not many of us showed up today. And, uh, but out of that small group prayer meeting, the Holy Spirit speaks, the Bible says, speaks to um, them about the setting apart of Paul and Barnabas for the work to the Gentiles. Just a regular prayer meeting on any normal day where they were praying and fasting, just a small group of guys in a room. And, and did the Holy Spirit speak audibly? I doubt it because it says that the Holy, it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit had spoken audibly, he doesn't need you to confirm the word. So it was probably to their heart. And to their heart, he speaks and they respond and it changes the course of their lives and their ministries and nations and everything else. Small moments, subtle moments, big dramatic moments, all of it coming together. And God's got ways to get to you and I, diverse ways to get to you and I that become defining in our life. And so how do we, how do we respond to the God intervention coming our way. And on the surface of it, it's simple. It's yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. The, the, the sooner that is just my... Some, some people spend days, right? Some people spend weeks. Some people spend months. Some people spend years getting to their yes, Lord. I, I'm, I'm old enough now to have known teenagers who said they're going to get serious about God in their 20s, who got to their 20s and said, I'm going to get serious about God when I get married who got married and said, I'm going to get serious about God when I have children. I'm just going to enjoy the new days of marriage. Had children, then they realised, if you weren't serious about God when you didn't have children, you're going to struggle to be serious about God when you do have children. And then they had children, went, look, when the children leave, we're really going to live sold out for Jesus. The children leave, they become empty nesters. They go, hey, we've got some freedom now. We're just going to enjoy it for a few years. But once we do that, we're going to have retirement. And when we have retirement, we're going to live flat out for Jesus. And they get to retirement, and guess what they don't do? Because it's a heart thing. Yeah. It's a yes thing now. And you and I have an opportunity today and across the course of our lives to say yes to the God interventions that are coming our way. Yeah. And they are good and they are pure in motive and they always have God's best plans in mind. So how do we, beyond the yes that is up front, I want to help you come to that decision and some thoughts on that in the moments that we have. To do that, Exodus chapter 18, verses 5 to 27 um, and verse 5, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses' son and wife, came to him in the wilderness where he was camped near the mountain of God. Good place to be camped. I don't like camping, just for the record, but I think I'd camp near the mountain of God. Jethro had sent word to him, I, 
Sorry, I do like camping. As long as there's a shower and someone else is cooking and it's 24 hours and then we're back and all that. Sorry. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and he bowed down and kissed him. Take note, every son-in-law in the room, he bowed down and he kissed him and they greeted each other and then went to the tent and Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake and about all the hardships. Notice they go together, miracle, deliverance, liberty, hardship. Um, they had met along the way and how, they, how he had saved them and Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things that um, the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know this, that the Lord is greater than all the other gods, so it results in a testimony. And he says, praise be to God, and so, and all of that goes on. And then, um, and then they have a celebration. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and other, offers, uh, other sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law in the presence of God. They're giving thanks, right? This is the, the night before. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening, and it all goes on, and, and it's chaotic, and everyone's waiting, and Jethro says to him, hey, what, what you're doing, this thing you're doing, it's not good for the people. Why do you sit alone and judge while all the people stand around you? And then Moses says, because the people come to me to seek God's will, that seems good. And then uh, he gives the reasons, and then Moses' father-in-law replied, what you're doing is not good, and you're going to wear yourself out, and this is too heavy for you, and this is not good for the people. They're going to go home frustrated. And he says, so select capable men, you know, make them leaders of tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands, and that will make your load lighter, he says to Moses. You'll be able to stand the strain, and then he says, and all the people go home satisfied. And I love this. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. That was before Jethro had even gone home. And so on this very normal day and this very normal person, his father-in-law, Moses has this God intervention going on in his life. And, 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 so, and his response is yes. So I just want to give you some thoughts um, from this. And the first one is side note. Um, I've put here side note, pause and celebrate the God story so far. It says here, Exodus 18, 9 to 12, um, Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done. And they have a party, basically, and they offer a sacrifice to God. And, and I think it's good to stop and pause about all the good that God has done Hey, in your life. I don't know. I'm always thinking about the next thing. Like, that's just how my... I go to bed thinking about the next thing. Like, literally, it's ridiculous. And um, all the time. And I have to stop my brain and go, oh, look at what the Lord has done. Yeah. Is there lots to do? Yes, there is. But look at what the Lord has done. Whether it's, you know, our third child is in, um, about to get her license next year. And, uh, and the first two are, they're extroverted kids, you know, they're slightly larger than life. And Katie is, she's a mix. She's introverted, extroverted, but she's quieter. She's the third child. Everyone's done everything for her. She's the smartest child also. She's the most like her mum. But, but the first two got given cars by people. And, you know, people say, oh, yeah, there's call of God on your life. And, that, and, and Katie had less of that. And so... As a dad, I'm always like, oh, God, look after Katie. Ye of little faith I am. Well, a few weeks ago, someone turns up with a car for Katie. I don't know who else gets that happen, but I've had three kids get three cars. And if that's not your story, that's okay. God's got a different story for you. And he's doing different things for you than he is for us. But in this case, I'm like, 
thank you, God. Like my little girl. I wanted her to know that it doesn't just happen to her siblings, this kind of thing happens to her and, and God's been kind enough to do that. Now, they're not new cars. They're not fancy cars like Andy drives from all the tithes that he gets a share of when Kerry disperses. Not like those kind of cars, but they're cars. And, um, and God's been good. And so just stop and celebrate all that he's done, all that's going on, all that is good from God. And, and I think that's good for the soul. Pause and celebrate. That's number one. Oh, well, that's the first thought. But here's the real thoughts. How do we respond to a God intervention? Here's where it really starts. Number one is humility that hears. It says here in verse 18, it says, listen now to me and I'll give you some advice and may God be with you. And in verse 24, Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. Think about it. Who can you hear from and who can't you hear from? Is there anybody you can't hear from? And the reason I say that is because think about this moment. Like Moses recognizes this is God. This is a God encounter. But Moses has been up on the mountain with God. He's lived in the smoke and haze, in the fierce presence of God. Moses is the only human that's seen God before his eyes. Moses would retreat into a tent and commune with God and talk with God. God audibly gives Moses the Ten Commandments and the other 613, or whatever number it was. Moses, Moses is used to God encounters on a scale that none of us are familiar with. And yet he still has the humility when his father-in-law, possibly a heathen, turns up and says, Moses, what you're doing is not good. I've got a solution and I believe it's from God. That's humility. And so Moses is in the middle of this God intervention into his life and he has the humility to realise that his father-in-law is the vessel of God even though his father-in-law is simultaneously getting in his face and simultaneously looking after his future. If you've led in anything for a while, you know that you get used to people not telling you what you actually need to hear. I remember a few years ago, a young guy in our church on staff, and this is just an admission, all right, and he told me no to something. And you go, of course, people say no all the time. I'm used to people saying yes. And I remember I had this internal reaction. I remember thinking, ooh, not used to that. And I had to own it and go, well, Darren, why aren't you used to that? And why are you reacting to that? This isn't about you. Moses is like that on steroids. Like He's leading thousands of people. He is the man of God. He did lead the deliverance. And he has enough humility after all that he's encountered with God to recognise that his father-in-law of all people can get in his grill and go, what you're doing is not good, it needs to change, it's for your best, it's for the people's best. And humility that will hear, humility that will hear. And so, so what, about, what about you? How can you hear? Can you hear from someone like me? Can you hear that? Um, can you hear from someone like Kerry? What if it was Abby? What if it was Zoe? If it was one of the boys, you can dismiss them. They are, no, what, what if, you know what I mean? Like, could you, could you, could you hear? And, and I hope the automatic answer is yes, of course I can hear. I'm open to the Spirit of God. Can you hear from God's Word? Because these are the things that become defining, and I'm sure you will. So my encouragement to you is go, hey, let's continue to have the humility to hear what we need to hear as we move through 
you know, the things that we're going through. In, in the middle of um, a difficult period that happened not that long ago, um, I remember there, there were just a couple of times when I needed to hear some things. I remember saying to one of my friends, hey, am I making sense or am I bumped out of shape? And he said, Daz, it's okay, but you are a little bumped out of shape. I needed to hear that. I needed to know that the way I was seeing the world was not the filter that it needed, that it wasn't quite beautiful, Christ-like, you know, all love, seeing clearly. It, it had some hurt. It, it had some struggle. And I just needed to hear the words I needed to hear. And humility will hear what it needs to hear, and it really sets you up and myself up in a God intervention, number one. Number two, how do we respond to a God intervention? Embrace the brutal truth. Now, I just want to clarify brutal because in Tamworth, they thought I'd misspelt the word and was saying it incorrectly. So brutal is a simple word. I might have used it here. It's not my word. It was invented by um, an American preacher whose name eludes me right now, uh, Ed Young Jr. Brutal. And can you hear, because what happens here, Moses hears two things. He hears all the beautiful stuff about how God's used them and all God's done and the beautiful thing that is true. But he also needs to hear the brutal truth that what you're doing is not good. Well, it's not actually what he's doing, it's the way he's doing it. And, uh, and, and he needs to be able to hear that, right? And the brutal truth, we, we want to embrace it. We want to embrace it because it helps us um, hear what we need to hear when God intervenes in our life. That, yep, you, down your heart was a little bit out of shape. Um, I, I don't know if I've told the story here a few years ago. Someone wrote me a letter and said, Darren, your heart's a bit hard. And I remember reading it thinking, not a letter, an email, I'm like, my, here was my beautiful response. What do you mean my heart's hard? Of course my heart's not hard. You can hear how hard my heart was, right, with that one <laughs> statement. But, but I had to go, and I remember thinking, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, this is how bad leaders, this is how you become a bad leader, is you, you don't hear what you need to hear. And that week, two other people said a similar thing to me, and I went, okay, I've got a problem. I need to sort this. I go to Bron. Bron, is my heart hard? Well, Daz, you're a little bit harder than normal because you're moving a little bit faster than you normally move. But yes, it was beautiful. It was brutal. It was true. I needed to change. Because if my heart stayed hard, you know, it happens, right? I hurt the people of God. And so I needed to change. And, and when a God intervention comes your way, if there's some brutal <coughs> truth in it, may we always be up for it. What's this you are doing, Moses? What are you doing this for the people? And Moses says, hey, I'm doing it because I'm awesome. I care. And he says, yeah, but what you're doing is not good. <laughs> and uh, the brutal truth, truth in love. And, um, and, and so that, that helps us. Number three, the final thing is to act with urgency. It says, Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. And that, that was before Jethro had even left the room. And so Moses just went, right. I've got the word of God. God's interrupted what I'm doing. He's intervened. I've heard from Jethro. Uh, let's get to work on what needs to happen as it relates to this response. And so, you know, if, if God has intervened in your life, whatever it is, if it's a, you know, a, a calling of God, well, I'll test everything I say, but if he's, if, he's, if he's moved, well, respond to it. Let's move quickly on it. When um, I was driving through Tamworth in 2001 and felt like, I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, Darren, you're moving here for a long time. Two weeks later, someone called me and said, will you pray about moving to Tamworth? I just went, we don't need to pray. 
No one promised us any money. No one gave us any money. We slept in our own car on several occasions. But we, and I probably should have worked that through a bit and negotiated a bit more. You should do that better than I did. But the reality was that it was a God intervention that Brian and I didn't tell anyone about. And then something happened and we went, no need to pray, we need to move. And so for you, when, when an intervention comes your way, as it relates to, to, you know, maybe God's correcting a sin in our life. Maybe I'm in a relationship that I really shouldn't be in. Like, just being honest with you all. Like, that, that happens to people, right? Just going, hey, hang on a minute. I can mess around with this with month for months or I can get this right now. I can deal with it. Where's the God intervention in our life? And go, enough, this is it. I'm done here. What is it for you? And, you know, maybe, uh, maybe you missed an opportunity with the offering going back. And you went, you know, I knew the Holy Spirit was prompting me. Well, next year, you know, let's, let's go. Let's respond quickly. What is it in your life? Let, that we would act with urgency around the things that God calls us to. And so whatever it is, I just want to encourage you around that. My, my um, encouragement to you is that we'll never regret acting quickly on the intervention of God. We might regret acting slowly. So let's act quickly. Let's respond promptly to the things that God's called us to. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen? All right. That's a wrap from me. I should pray for you because I'm a pastor, but instead we're going to have a conversation and we might pray at the end. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Isaac. Look at this good-looking boy. What a legend. It's true, mate. Thank you. Speaking of good-looking boys, and thank you so much, Daza, for helping me celebrate Andy's 40th. Sorry about that. No, it's fine. I just wanted to quickly, <laughs> I just wanted to quickly um, remind you all of how amazing he is yeah. and uh, as we celebrate him today. So I wrote a list of all of the things that Andy Logan has done for you, for yeah, you sitting good. in your seat. You'll and, love um, this, Andy. You're love I know. He probably won't talk to me <laughs> for a week after this. Andy Logan, thank you for looking after our kids, scaring our kids, renovating our building, cleaning up after us, listening to us around a table, helping us move house, feeding us, caffeinating us, cleaning our toilets, taking people with broken bones to emergency, helping us to worship Jesus by drumming, making Christmas trees for us, fixing stuff for us, creating slip and slides on the grass for us, being a fireman, rescuing people in serious accidents, rescuing cats from trees and wall cavities, (laughs) being a responsible pyromaniac, pranking us in the car park, taking our kids to youth camps, serving us when even you just don't feel like it, and never telling anyone that it was you or taking any credit. We love you. <laughs> Happy birthday, honey. You're the best. Because he loves the spotlight so much. He I loves just, it so much. I do just much. want to say, mate, I, I've said that Bron will confirm that this is what I say. I get in the car, I leave here, Bron and I have a call on the way home unless we're travelling like today, which is coming back from Gaira. And I'll say, like, over and over, I don't know how many times I've said it, like, Andy Logan is one of the most humble godly man I've ever met in my life and yet mate I tell you in you are good on a personal level you are good for my soul you fill me with hope around what it is to be a man in a local church Um, uh, not everyone not everyone would sit as comfortably and at ease the watching their wife lead a church which shouldn't matter because it's about gifting not gender but but you do it well 
And uh, you're the great empower of um, men and women, boys and girls. And uh, we're just so, th- I'm so thankful for you. And, you know, your upbringing has fitted you well for what you do. And uh, whatever good and bad you've seen, you've taken all that is good out of it. You've extracted every bit of good out of all you've seen and allow God to shape it into who you are, mate. So well done. Awesome. So if you are visiting this morning, what we're going to do now is a number. We've got a number here up on the screen and you can actually text and that's to this phone. You can text any questions that you have for Pastor Daz. We've got like 10 minutes and then we're going to wrap up. So if you have any questions about um, anything that Pastor Darren has been talking about this morning, now is your time. Go ahead and text it through. And I'm still ingrained in me is my dad as an elder standing up in front of our whole church here saying that phones are like a cancer of society. But this is like 15 years ago, so we're past that point now. But every time I get my phone out, I'm like, oh, Dad, I'm sorry. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) so first question, Dazza, Pastor Darren. For someone who is not familiar with hearing from God, just in the ways that you talked about, um, how, how would you... How, how would you know that God is speaking to you is the question. Oh, let me give you the qualifier. I'm only ever 90% sure. And um, I think that, I think on my best day, I'm 90% like, oh, that, that thought was God. And, and personally, it will come in a clear, concise sentence. So I'm like, oh, I couldn't have produced that first go. You know, like, I'm like, acts like family feels like home. Yeah. Literally sitting in the back of church on a, like a weeknight on my own grappling with that we were struggling as a community, good at Sunday, struggling as a community. I'm like, God, thought comes to my head, clear, I'm like, that is a God thought. And, um, and consistent with scripture, all of that. I think, uh, you know, for me, it's come through scripture. Um, it's come through people confirming what it's done. And then uh, personally, I'm looking for, so I ha- I'll give you an example. I had this thought rush into my head about something I would do in the future. Anyway, um, sat on that I, I went to work on it and then out of nowhere these things come together I'm like so I'm looking for the fruit so this meeting next Tuesday it's literally a thought that happened a couple of years ago but I started acting on it back there and no one has seen any of the acting but bit by bit it's moved towards like like that meeting like literally that meeting next week could ensure that I coach churches all around the world that's how significant it is and I've always thought that that's what I would end up doing still pastoring in a church by the way yeah don't leave uh, us yeah still but but I always thought and 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 this meeting is with like I got a a text the other day going hey Darren you got a meeting with such and such next Tuesday um you're able to make it um I'm like uh I'll move my wedding day for the (laughs) night So, so I, you're saying taking so what notice I'm saying of things is, along the way. Yeah, I'm like, you get a word, if you get a thought and it seems like God, if everything seems right, it's consistent, I'm, I'm taking that and I'm, I'm meditating on it, I'm praying through it. I usually fast, personally. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but then there are other things that come to you like that moment when I was 22, I just knew. Yeah. Like that thought came, the Tamworth thought came, I thought, I think I'm going to Tamworth. Yeah. Right? They're just thoughts, clear, concise thoughts, and I thought, oh, they're out of nowhere. Um, but other people will get a vision. Like, and that's why I was trying to be broad. Like, Peter got a vision, yeah. right? And, and Peter had a vision and then that was it. Um, the apostle Paul has a crowd of guys confirming that this is what is on his life. Yeah. 
So it looks different for everybody and God works differently all the time. So I don't want to box it in. Um, sometimes for me, it's just straight from Scripture. God, I'm reading the Bible and then bang. And um, yeah. The, 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 sorry, go on. No, you go. Well, Armidale, right? The ability to be involved with Armidale came from me. I was reading 1 Samuel and I went past this verse that said, and and God, uh, not God, and Saul made David a captain of a thousand. And before I could think, remember we got one church at the time, right? Before I could think, the Holy Spirit says, structure for that. And I'm like, okay. Well, we're a long way from there. But on that thought, I, went, I just thought, I'm pretty sure there's God. And I just went, I got a whiteboard out. I went, well, what would you need to have a multi-site church that had a thousand people or more in it? And I just started to draw it up, put it to some business guys, said, hey, would this, do you think this would work? Did some study. And I just, one leader at a time, started to do it. And then one day, people start ringing, going, literally, we've got the situation again right now, going, hey, we need you to do this, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's that was literally a thought, reading the scripture one day, yeah. took the next steps and then it finds you. Yeah, I don't know if you remember Dazza, but year, I don't even know how many years ago, years and years and years ago, probably when you had this first thought, the thought, it's about yeah. the thought, right? Yeah. You actually called Andy and I and met with us in Gloria Jeans in Armadale. I don't know if you even remember that. You were like, hey, we're thinking thinking about this. Would you be interested? And we were like, yeah, sure. And then nothing happened for like years and years and years and years and years and years. And then other stuff happened and then other stuff happened and then here we are. So that's a good example of, you know, that initial thought, hey. Yeah, just act on it. Getting from there to here. Yeah, awesome. One more question because we are running out of time. Sorry. No, all good. Um, One question, actually, we'll do two more questions. One is if you're not good at accepting and like hearing helpful things from people who are really trying to help you but it is brutal um, how can you get better at that at hearing from other people I reckon whoever sent that so close to getting it right here's a friend of mine Paul Bartlett he he would say to me um, sometimes we'd be dealing with an issue and we just couldn't get it sorted and he'd say Darren it's not that they don't understand it's that they don't like what's being said and I started looking people in the eye after I'd explained a few times ago, hey, listen, I think we're at this point. It's not that you don't understand. It's just that you don't like the answer. What do you think about that? And they'd go every time. they go, yeah, it's true. So I would say if you're scared, maybe there's some things in it that, you, that are hard to do, like forgive or, or you've got to trust or whatever, you know. And I'd say just get rid of the list. Remember the yes, and let's do this because you'll be glad you did. Because you know stuff happens to all of us. We let each other do all that. So yeah. just yes, 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 yes. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. So last one, and just flowing perfectly yep. from what you've just said. And um, what would you say for those who have accepted advice or they've accepted a word from another person, but the person was wrong and it was damaging to them? Yeah. So Corinthians talks about if it's a word from somebody else. Corinthians talks about testing every prophecy. I'm very slow to receive an external word. Like I'm super hesitant. If someone gives me a word, if we can, I'm talking church talk now. So any visitors, so someone gives me a word like that, and I've never thought the thought before. Like if I said to Kerry, Kerry, I think you should become a missionary to China. I'm like. 
Kerry should probably parking lot that and just go, uh, if God wants me to, he'll, he'll clarify that for me, right? And, and that's how I deal with those words. It's like I've had, I, I, I remember I had this thought that I would lead a certain thing one day. And when I had the thought, it was 4 a.m. in the morning. And I thought, there is no way. There is no way that is going to happen. And um, it was just a ridiculous thought. And I said, but God, if it's you, if it's not you, I don't want to waste my time on it. But if it's you, I've got to prepare my skill for it. Anyway, that morning I walk into a church service. This woman, I knew a little bit but not very well, walks up to me and says, Darren, there's this thing that you're going to lead and no one can see it yet, but I'm telling you it's going to happen. I'm like, okay, I'm in. Yeah, like, now, I still haven't told you what that thing is. but And now you're looking like, oh, that's actually could easily happen now. But when the, at the time... So I think when you get a word, you put it in your heart, you pray it through if it's from someone else, and then you watch, you, you do what you can do, and, but, but let it come to you, let it find you, let the word be confirmed. If it's not confirmed, I usually don't move on it if it's external. Good, so helpful. Everyone's got to work it out. Yeah, know, yeah. so good. Thank you, Daz. Yeah. Um, if you would like to, someone to pray with you for anything that you've heard this morning, over here in the corner after we wrap up, there's going to be some people and they're just ready. They're just ready to pray for you. Don't don't waste an opportunity. Hey, <laughs> it, it could be today. Why don't you pray with someone this morning? And Daz, would you mind just praying for us as we go? Yeah. Can I say, because I can see the time, we're on time. I just want to say, I want to protect people against that. If, if someone comes to you as a self-proclaimed prophet, I just give you a word, just thank them for it, yeah. celebrate it. If you're excited by it, let it get into your heart, but but just seek good counsel around it. Yeah. I've watched, as I'm sure you have, I've watched both. I've watched a prophet come and give a word. A prophet came one time and said, I was hiding in the back. At the time, I didn't even really like personal prophecy. This is a long time ago. I was hiding in the back, and I went to this combined churches thing, and they had this prophet guy on stage. I'm like, I'm suspicious, right? And um, like in this moment, I'm not suspicious at all. Anyway, the next four people he calls out are all from our church. One of them's not a Christian. He says, you're not a Christian and you're going to be and you're going to settle in this church. And I'm like, wow. And they're all 100% on the money. And then the fifth person he calls up is me. I'm like, oh, like, oh no. So <laughs> Here we go. I, I'm mindful of time. And he says... Um, he says, listen, the next season of your life is going to be really expansive, but for your church, he said, but on a personal level, it's going to be like barbed wire being pulled through a hole in a fence. I'm like, oh, thanks, buddy. <laughs> right. And I remember about three months later, like, church explodes. And personally, because I'd never been there before as a leader, I just didn't, I just didn't know what I was doing, really. I'm trying to work it out. And I just remember, I was like, internally, just like, oh, God. And it was exactly as he said. So, you know, if God's got a word that is from a prophet, um, it might it, the person might be a prophet because they're in the Bible. I'm just saying, like, yeah. treat it with care and yeah. treat it lightly if it's telling you you're going to have a global ministry, you know, and you might, but just treat it lightly and walk it out yeah. while you go. Yeah. All right. Amazing. We're done. Pray. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you today. Thank you for every person here. Thank you, for, thank you that you care, Lord. 
Lord, beyond anything that we can communicate, you care deeply for us. Your every intervention, by all your various means, is because you're good and because you do good and you want good and you love people, you're building your kingdom. And so we thank you for every intervention you bring our way, Lord. And, you know, we heard the challenge of that sometimes and we see the risk, but I just pray that we'd have real clarity on what's a God word and that we'd have a really simple response of yes, Lord. And as we do, I know, Lord, that you're going to make people's ways straight and their paths level as they walk out the things that you call them to walk in. And so we thank you today. Lord, we thank you for Andy on his 40th birthday. We thank you for the, Lord, fruitful and faithful life that he's lived, Lord, to this point. And we just continue to commit him to you that you would guide his steps and lead his way. Lord, may you shock him in the best possible ways as he walks out this next decade of his life. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Right, amen. God amen. bless.